perceptions, comfort, and stability to go underground, to go inside the darkness. But she always rises. And so will you. Welcome to the Persephone is Rising podcast. I am your host, Shannon, and I'm super grateful for your presence. Thank you for tuning in again to the Persephone is Rising podcast. My name is Shannon, and today I want to talk about why I will never be called mom. So I've wanted to have kids for since I was a kid. (laughs) I can remember being about, I guess, 12, 13, 14, and making lists of my future kids' names. And... I would always visualize a traditional family because that's what I grew up in with two couple kids, at least two, uh, a house, mom and dad, you know, my myself and my husband, who I pictured being the other half of my children. I pictured my children looking half like me, half like my husband. That was like a dream of mine. For a long time, I felt really guilty because I had this feeling that I didn't want children and this had come not long after I started dating my my husband who was then my boyfriend I would be on the bus and I would hear kids like whining or crying or whatever and I would just kind of roll my eyes inwardly and I would think to myself oh man I can't I can't even be around children their sound like their voices is it's like nails on a chalkboard and this kind of freaked me out because like I said I'd wanted kids since I was a kid I couldn't understand why I was so against being around children why I couldn't stand them it kind of hit me one day I was thinking about this new relationship and I thought to myself oh my gosh I I'm in love with this man. I was kind of uh, slow on picking that up, but yeah, (laughs) I had fallen in love and the thought of losing him terrified me. So somewhere in my weird brain, I just thought, well, if I have children with this man, like I've always planned to do, fall in love and have kids, how much am I going to love these children? (laughs) You know, with the man that I'm in love with, my soulmate, these children come from our love. So once that realization hit me, I was like, the kids didn't get on my nerves anymore the noises they made didn't bother me and at this point my doctor my family doctor she did this thing where she would look at me over the tops of her glasses and be like how old are you again Shannon and I would say I'm 30 34 I think I was 34 almost 35 and she said well you better get a move on you know (laughs) if you want to start having kids do you want to do you want to have kids and I said yes absolutely so she said well I think it's time and I told her I you know I'm trying to lose a bit more weight uh I had been having a lot of problems with my weight and I really wanted to lose a lot more weight and she looked at me and she said well how much weight do you really want to lose you can start trying now so everything all together kind of made me feel like okay I I do really need to get on this (laughs) after about a year of trying 
not even a year, my doctor, I spoke to my doctor and I said, listen, you know, we're planning and we're tracking and this is not happening. So she referred us to a fertility clinic and the doctors there were really amazing. They were super kind, super sensitive because they know that any couple walking into this situation is going to be ultra, ultra sensitive, <laughs> which is what I was for sure. So we continued to try and we started having tests done. The tests showed that everything was normal. We were perfectly healthy and ready to have children. And we were told that having children, getting pregnant is very difficult. It's not something that happens easily. Most people think it does because you just hear of so many people like teenagers getting pregnant. So we automatically think like this just happens, but it doesn't. It could take people that are perfectly healthy and ready to have children years and years and years, a long time to get pregnant. So we kind of just strapped ourselves in for the ride and, you know, continued to try. The thing that I did that I'm not going to say was wrong and I'm not going to say I regret it, but I could have been a bit easier on myself every month. As soon as I was late with my period, a few days, I would run to the store and get a pregnancy test. I wouldn't even wait for a full week after I was late. So this became expensive and it became emotionally horrifying to get my hopes up every single month and have them totally crushed. This was all on me. I don't know why I did this. I don't know why I put myself through this roller coaster, but it was so hard. And that's why I'm so adamant. And I shouldn't be when I talk to other people who are trying to get pregnant. But if someone asks my advice, I always tell them that don't test every month. Wait two, three weeks after you're late. <laughs> wait long and it's not always easy to hear that but trust me it's not worth it to put yourself through that every month so we decided to move because we were planning on having children and we only had um a two-bedroom which is sufficient but my husband has a lot of tools so he basically has a workshop so we found one and it was $200 more than our old apartment but we made the decision to move because it was worth it we were going to have a baby and that baby needed a room. So on the day that we signed our lease, I did two pregnancy tests that were positive. And I know that positive pregnancy tests are very rare. Negative ones are pretty common, but positive ones are rare. I called my husband, told him first, of course, he was at work and he was so happy. He was telling his co-workers. I called my mom who started crying. I called my mother-in-law who was screaming incoherently she was so excited and that evening we went to sign our lease and we told our our new landlords who were really amazing people and they were so excited and so happy for us i had a blood test scheduled for a few days later i went and i got the results that afternoon and they were negative so i was not pregnant if i ever was i was so devastated because like I said, prior to this positive or those positive pregnancy tests, I was testing every month. So this was like what I want. This was my goal and I had achieved it, but then it was taken away from me. We made an appointment with a surgeon at the fertility clinic and I spoke to him. I told him about my experiences. I told him about the positive pregnancy test. He confirmed my suspicions. He said that more than likely I had miscarried, but because it was such an early miscarriage, 
the hormone which was detectable by the pregnancy test was not detectable when the blood test was done. Now, this is really only when it's an early miscarriage, which apparently a lot of women experience, a lot of women experience, and they don't even realize it because it's an early miscarriage. Some of these women are not even trying to get pregnant, and this is what happens. So the hormone level is very different from someone who is, let's say, three or four months pregnant, and then they have a miscarriage. Their hormone level is really high because it doubles, triples, and so on after your first couple of weeks and after your first month. But in your first couple of weeks, which is when an early miscarriage occurs, the hormone level is very low and it, and it drops very fast. The surgeon said it was more than likely also that I had had more than one early miscarriage because that it happens to a lot of women. This was illuminating for me because I really felt that that's what had happened, but I was being told by a lot of people that it wasn't a miscarriage. What's really amazing is that my surgeon looked at me and said, you know what, this is good. This shows that you can get pregnant. So this may seem very sad and it may hurt, but it just proves that there is a possibility that you will get pregnant in the future. So that's how I decided to look at it. I'll never know if that truly was an early miscarriage. And I think I prefer it that way. So the next thing that happened is I started to have ultrasounds done, internal and external. The internal ultrasound is the one that most of us are familiar with where they use the apparatus thingy on the woman's belly with some gel and they look inside. It's not just done for women who are pregnant, anybody that has any kind of problem, you know, from the chest down to the pelvic area. An internal ultrasound is they take an apparatus that looks like basically like a vibrator with a plug. It has a wire coming from it and they put it inside you. So I had several of those done and the external ones and they found that I had paravarian cysts. So I had cysts surrounding my my ovaries. The surgeon told me that normally when he removes these cysts from a woman, it does not take her long afterwards to get pregnant. So I was like, let's do it. <laughs> I went under the knife two days after my grandfather passed away and I had the cysts removed. My surgeon came to me afterwards when I was in recovery. He said everything went well. Once you feel better, have at it full speed ahead. I feel like everything's going to work now and you know we'll reconvene and, and discuss if there are any problems. So I bought a basal thermometer. We started tracking my ovulation and we continued to try. It still wasn't happening, which was really hard for me because the doctor was so sure when he spoke so I really had faith that it was going to happen. We decided that the next step would be IVF and insemination. Luckily at the time IVF and insemination were two procedures that were covered under Medicare in Canada. I had a certain number of chances for each procedure and I thought that with the help because there was nothing wrong with us with the help and with so many chances that I would be able to get pregnant very soon. So I went to see the doctor and she prescribed me Clomid which was the basically entry-level medication for fertility. I went to fill the prescription 
and then I called my insurance because I had to pay out of pocket for this Clomid. I spoke with someone who told me that their sister-in-law ended up paying out of pocket too and that I should check my insurance to make sure that it was covered. And I found out that fertility medications were not included. This was very disappointing because I knew that these medications could end up costing five and six thousand dollars. I thought, okay... <laughs> This is going to be impossible now because we don't have that kind of money. And I thought, you know what? We're going to save up and we're just going to try at a later date. I'll just get ready. I'll use this time to start losing more weight, eat healthier, get myself ready. Not long after, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia. And then the government started the process to eliminate coverage of IVF and artificial insemination. I kind of retreated for a little bit. I, I wasn't sure what to do. We weren't trying, but we weren't actively trying to prevent anything either. So we just kind of continued like that for a while. A few people suggested adoption, but it didn't feel right to me. I had a conversation with someone that I was very close to, and this person, I'm paraphrasing now, but this person literally said to me that if I was not open to adoption, then maybe I didn't want kids as much as I thought I did. Now, my sense of self and my knowledge of self was a little bit weaker than it is now. So I questioned myself for a long time over that. And I just want to say now, I think that what that person said was really horrible and that you should never say something like that to someone who is in the kind of situation that I was in especially if you are who you are and you know who you are today I know that just because I wasn't open to the idea of adoption didn't mean that I didn't want to have kids I know now that what that person said was ignorant insensitive and really kind of gross so I'm over it. I wanted kids really badly. I wanted to be a mom more than anything. But adoption was not right for us. Not right for us. But I think that it is one of the most selfless things that anyone can do. Take someone else's child and raise them as their own. It's beautiful. At this point, my husband said, whatever you want to do is okay with me. I felt supported knowing that he didn't judge me and he would do whatever I wanted to do. So I decided that with the fibromyalgia diagnosis and with the elimination of the coverage of the procedures and all of the other factors, I decided to give up. And sometimes, honestly, I feel a little guilty that I did that, that I gave up. But at the same time, I also feel that it was exactly what I had to do. So I don't think that I'll ever be completely at peace with it, that I'll ever completely accept it. I have days where I'm confident with where my path is going and my role, my place in this life, where I am learning about mothering and about being mothered. And some days I hear kids calling for their moms and my heart just like I have so many cracks. And then I have days where the thought occurs to me that I will never, ever hear someone calling me grandma. And I really feel how deep my sadness goes. Then there are days that I accept my fate with as much grace, strength, wisdom, and faith that I can muster. It brings me comfort to feel that those days are becoming more and more frequent. Through all this, I have learned that being a mother is not the end-all, be-all for women. There is way more to being female, way more to being a mother than that. Being a mother to a human child is a precious gift, but it is not all that a woman can be. 
It does not determine her worth, her heart, or how much she can love. It does not determine how she experiences love. Being a mother, although a beautiful goal, is not the highest, the best, or the only goal. I am still learning that even though I am not a mother to a human child, and that I never will be, that I am just as capable of feeling real love, and that my life is worth just as much. This lifetime, my Callie, my cat, is my baby, and I won't ever see her get married or have her children, <laughs> but she is our baby. We got her eight months after those two positive pregnancy tests, so she has always been more than a pet. I'm going to say in closing that I think it's important in any situation, but especially with women who have lost a child, who have had a stillbirth, a miscarriage, who can't get pregnant, be gentle with those women because their hearts are fractured and they always will be. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope you come back next time. Mm-hmm.